expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing your national public radio source for no-hype, detailed information about how to make your fortune investing in real estate. And today, we are talking to a bona fide television star, Mr. Paul Sajan of CT Homes, LLC, and of course, Flip This House. Paul's job is to handle the renovation on, gosh, so far over 200 single and multifamily homes in nine different cities in three different states with 35 contractors and $35,000 budget for each and every one. I don't know. Think he's got something to teach you? Got a rehab question? Give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or send us an email by going to askvina.com. And by the way, when you go there, that little button that you click that says, please send me your weekly e-letter now works. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to subscribe to our weekly e-letter about real life real estate and that always contains articles by and about our guests. Go ahead and click that yes and me the e-letter button and we'll be sure to do that. So uh, joining us, I assume, from California is uh, Mr. Paul Sajan. Paul, are you there? Oh, you mean that we have those CDs. I guess he's not there. Paul, put the phone yeah. up to your ear. <laughs> busy, busy guy. We should, uh... Paul, I wonder if yeah. he has me on mute. <laughs> okay, well let's let's pot him down, and I'll I've got a uh, I can talk about Cincinnati for a minute while we uh, can you can you pick up the phone and like talk to him because he's he's not hearing me that's for sure. Okay, so in the meantime, while we're waiting to actually get Paul on the line, uh, Cincinnati Ria meets tomorrow evening at the usual location at. Seymour and Reading Road, the Jordan Crossing. It's going to be a great meeting because the main meeting is a panel discussion with lenders who are, listen to this, still lending to real estate investors. That's right. We found not one, not two, not three, but four separate folks who are doing stuff like hard money lending, transactional funding, even portfolio lending, believe it or not. You're, of course, welcome to come to that meeting as a member or a guest. That main meeting is at 7.30. The early meeting at 6 o'clock is about the big Cincinnati problem of bed bugs and how to get rid of them. So you get more information about Cincinnati RIA's meeting at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiRIA.com. Or by calling 859-292-RIA. Paul, are you with us? Paul? Okay, what's going on is he's not hearing me somehow. He can hear you, but he can't hear me. So, and I just used all my tap dancing material, Mike. So run, run, run <laughs> to find out what's going on here. Um, yes, technical difficulties. Uh, so while we are waiting to resolve our technical difficulties here, uh, do not forget that the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Friday. Convention is coming Friday. up on <laughs> November the 12th, 13th, and 14th. And uh, Paul is one of actually 15 expert speakers who are going to be discussing their success in areas from renovation to wholesale to rental properties to buying properties without banks. And guess what? You can still get a ticket to Aurea from WMKV 
by going to wmkbfm.org. Your uh, your tuition to the Orea Convention actually goes 100% to support public radio on WMKV. So go to wmkvfm.org, go about halfway down the homepage, and you'll see a banner that says Orea Convention. Click there, get your ticket. It'll be a good event. Paul, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Ah, wonderful. Okay. We were having some technical difficulties on this and where I was talking and you weren't hearing. So, um, yeah, so I did this I did this big introduction that you probably didn't hear about how I'm sure it was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really made you look good. Um, it was uh all, all about how you you do like I understand 8 to 12 simultaneous renovations. Yeah. Yeah, uh you know, when we started Back in uh, just before t- 2004, uh, obviously getting into the business and our focus of buying, fixing, and selling properties, uh, not to mention wholesaling, but really our, our, our game was rehabbing properties. So we learned, we hit the learning curve pretty hard. We made a lot of mistakes, but um, now, uh, and just to kind of show the progression, our first year in business from going to events, just like you're holding uh, coming up, Vina. Meaning, we learned our real estate business in you know a classroom in the seminar room from from other people that are doing it, which is another just plug and encouragement for people to get live to that event and listen to experts. But the first year we ended up doing uh, 30 transactions, which we kind of we made all these different mistakes, but those were wholesales and rehabs. The second year we did uh, 70 transactions, started building our team and creating our systems. And then the third year, we had a we had a goal to do 100 transactions. Uh, we did 104. 64 of those were rehab projects. So, at, for example, that year, I would be managing anywhere from uh, really 10 to 25 rehab projects could be going on at any one time. So that's really where I cut my chops and put together what you know I use to this day to um, kind of. Ex- uh, what I like to call expand or contract depending on what I'm doing in the marketplace to manage multiple projects, not only in my location, but, you know, really if I want, uh, across the country. So, you know, if you, I was just at some properties yesterday, we're doing here in, in my newest location as of a year ago, San Diego, California, uh, we're doing six, uh, six rehab projects right now. And then another two, which are (laughs) done and for sale. And, but the most important thing that for, for people to ask me today or for, that I'll be talking about is I don't leave my desk. I write checks and get checks and just manage the process. So that's the end game, you know, I think for most people that that uh, when they get in this business, how do you get the business to work for you instead of you working for your business so you can actually enjoy the money and the time that, that is available? And yes, particularly so in the rehab business and 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 whether whether folks are doing exactly what you are doing which is typically buying fixing and selling or whether they are buying fixing and holding or whether they yeah. don't, they don't even consider themselves rehabbers because they're buying pretty houses which of course sometimes go vacant and then what do you have to do a rehab uh, exactly everybody in real estate is in the rehab business and I know that um, you know my personal experience with renovations is if I'm putting a roof on one house and carpet in another, I get confused and discombobulated. So I, I, I seriously thought about making this show just, just starting with the question, how do you do this? And then just shutting up for an hour <laughs> because that's, that, yeah. That, that, yeah. You, you've got to have some systems in place for this that are just, that are just unreal. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can definitely, uh, let me kind of break down and share some of the, you know, some of the main concepts and then points, and we'll drill down to some of them. Um, but so with that said, I'm going to just kind of start blabbering here. Just interrupt me at any point for clarification or if I'm, you know, you think of something should be kind of expanded out on. But, or, or underwriter uh, breaks, fir- yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the first, you know, the first thing that I'm that I say and I teach and I train and that I implement in my business is that, of the success of everybody's rehab will come down to the contractors in which you identify, market, pre-screen, and hire. So a lot of of what I focus on, because it's the absolute kind of crux of us having a positive experience in a project or not, goes down to 
the people that, in, and I, you know, break it down to mature, grown-up, adult, licensed and insured contractors, those are the ones we're looking for. So 50% of the success of your rehab will be contingent upon the people that you choose to do the rehab, meaning your contracting team. So a lot, a lot of our energy should be, and a lot of my system is, is identifying and implementing a marketing process for good contractors, how to pre-screen them, the elevator pitch to get them excited and motivated, and then the questions to drill down and find out if they're the right fit for you. Because as we all know, there's good contractors and there's just, you know, not so good contractors, or at least contractors that don't fit into what we're trying to do. And our job is to get those guys that make rehabbing fun. But you have to actually do work. It's I always equate it to the same example uh, like all of us do, Vino, where, you know, in order to get a good deal, you got to look at a bunch of deals. you got to market for deals to get your, you know, 5% that you're actually going to buy. Well, same thing goes with contractors. Don't just meet your brother's, cousin's, friend's neighbor and say, oh, you're a contractor? Great. This is my first rehab. Will you work on it? That's not the, that's not the interview process we want to take a, a professional guy through so that we can enjoy the process and do it the right way. So, so, that's a big piece, and you know, without, without talking too long about that, what I'll say is that if for anyone out there who's hiring contractors and not interviewing uh, multiple contractors, not marketing in different channels, online, offline, uh, and then understanding how to – because we have a contractor interview sheet that's a question here. Because, again, at this point, I'm not the one interviewing contractors. My team is. So we have the script on how we pitch our business. Because a big part, again, of success is our ability to communicate. So when I communicate, when my team communicates, when my students across the country communicate to a contractor, the pitch sounds something like this. Hey, how you doing? My name's Paula Sajan. Uh, I, I have a residential redevelopment company. Uh, I have a system in place where I've identified all the finishing materials uh, and finishes for this rehab so that you, Mr. Contractor, can do what you do best. If you... If you can work within my system and put out a quality product, here's a couple things that, that you will benefit from. Number one, uh, I'm not a homeowner. I'm not going to be living in this house. I, and because of that reason, I'm also going to need wholesale pricing. But on top of that, I'll be able to move you from job to job to job with my national network or my network of investors. And can everyone say that? Absolutely, because you have your RIA club, you have your national RIA. So, you know, if you're doing... Um, jobs, you can always refer a good contractor to someone else who's doing a rehab. So I always point out to them, you won't have to worry where your next check is coming from if you get awarded the bid to work with me and my company moving forward. And number two, we love to pay contractors when work gets done. I say that up front because people need to hear that because that's the truth. If a contractor does their job, I love to give him a check because the sooner he does work, the sooner I can pay him, the sooner I can then sell that property and get paid myself. So I, I reiterate that, and then I, um, you know, just close it with the opportunity of how would you like to make money in my system? Well, of course, that's a better way than coming up to a contractor, and, and if you're new or, or not new, and saying, oh, I, got a, I got my first deal, can you tell me how much to pay for this rehab, because I want to make a bunch of money. Right, so there you're going to have a, a discrepancy in what the cost will be right off the bat. Does that make sense, Vina? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes that investors make is going out and, quote, getting bids as opposed to knowing what they want to pay. Exactly. And saying, and, 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 and yeah, call three or four contractors and say, here's the job. Here's what I'm going to pay. Can you do it for that? And because, uh, I don't know, I, I, I've uh, early on I, I got into some, um, let's call them, battles of the will with contractors <laughs> who who you know I knew how much it should cost to do the job they came in at 50% more than that and it's like once they've named that number it's a point of pride to not let yeah. you name oh, yeah. a lower number where if you just named the lower number in the first place they would have done it exactly it's... and the the point the, and that's a huge point because what you're communicating there and what listeners have to understand is if you approach this process not how we're telling you and you ask a contractor what they will charge you for the work, well, what, they, what 
a contractor wants to get paid and will get paid can be two different numbers. And if you don't give them a budget that you have allocated for that job, well, they'll, without knowing, they'll, again, think you're kind of this retail client uh, and that you're a one-time opportunity and a one-time job. And believe me, they'll give you a cost that, you know, is okay for a retail client but not okay for us. And here's the thing. When they give you that $30,000 quote and you are thinking 10000 that discrepancy between those two numbers, you'll never be able to meet in the middle because, as you said, Mina, now they've said it, it's too embarrassing if they come down from 30 to 10, and then, of course, vice versa, you going up is just outrageous. So if you allow them to, you know, give them what they want to get paid versus what they should and would and will, then you're, you're never going to meet the divide and work with that contractor. So rolling right from there, how do we actually do this? Now, I, I kind of shared our quick elevator pitch, which is outlined and bulleted for people to follow. But uh, let's talk about let's talk about the rehab stage overview. And Paul, uh, let's let's and, and Paul, actually, let let's do that after we we take a quick break. Uh, we need to do okay. some traffic and weather here, and I also need to encourage folks to give us a call at seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight if you have any questions about the renovation process, working with contractors, budgeting, getting the money, anything like that, um, you can also send us an email. Just go to askvina.com. Be sure and let us know where you're writing from, and we will be back right after this. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Well, suddenly we have a bunch of accidents to report. Uh, in Kentucky, eastbound 275, east of the AA Highway, you'll find an accident, right lane blocked. Two accidents southbound 75, south of the Lachland exit. Watch out for an accident, State Route 131 near US 50, Liberty at Reading. North 75 at Town Street on the right shoulder. South 75 at the lateral. Uh, you'll find an accident on the right shoulder. Still have that accident on the south end of the Brent Spence Bridge in northern Kentucky. It's moved over to the right shoulder now, but still causing a bit of a backup. Accidents Ridge at Section, Delhi at Don, and Crookshank at Glenway. Your forecast tonight, clear skies, an overnight low of 48 degrees. For tomorrow, mostly sunny and a nice day, a high around 77 and Friday, sunny, a high near 80 degrees, pretty much the same for the weekend. Right now, we're at 72 here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from St. Vincent to Paul. In today's difficult economy, local families who have never had to ask for help are now in desperate need of food, clothing, and shelter. St. Vincent to Paul's vehicle donation program is a way for you to help. By donating your unneeded car, truck, or motorcycle, you can ensure that a needy family gets help with the basics to survive and may qualify for a tax deduction. For a free pickup, St. Vincent de Paul, 513-421-CARE. That's 513-421-CARE. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today... Paula Sajan from CT Homes, currently out in San Diego. Heaven knows where they'll be next. And also seen on TV at in, on Annie's Flip This House. We're talking today about how he manages multiple, multiple rehab jobs at once. And these are big budget rehab jobs. These aren't paint and carpet. This is $35,000 jobs, which will pretty much do whatever you want to do inside the typical house. We're also taking your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or if you're near your computer and you want to ask the question this way, you can go to askmina.com, fill in your question, and it will come to us via email. Uh, so, Paul, before the break, uh, we were moving on to, because you said you said 50% of your success in this is going to, be, is going to have to do with your, with your contractors. That yep. leaves fifty percent. <laughs> I don't want. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be half successful. How do yep. I? Get, what, what do I? What do I have to do the, the rest of the way? Okay. So once we go ahead and implement the system to market for, identify, find, and pre-screen the right contractors, then the other fifty percent of your success is the system in which you put them in to succeed, and how you manage and control the process and the outcome 
before the job starts, okay? So what's the answer to that? Well, the answer to that for us is we created a rehab system, a seven-stage um, rehab overview, if you will, for each project, uh, every house that we do that gets implemented, so that, you know, again, and it's, it's this very simple principle that if I do something and make money, how do I then create a system to do something and make money to where it takes uh, less of my time and less of my energy, but I can do it, do more of it and make more money? So uh, the growth of our rehab business is contingent upon the systemization of all these areas of our business, and this is a crucial one. So the rehab stage overview, and what I'll do is I'll break down all seven stages and kind of communicate the importance. Okay, so this, this seven-stage rehab overview, understand now, the first, you know, the first stage going back to what we said is um, uh, in finding and identifying the right team. But the first stage really, and this can, if you will, go, this could be two mindsets. This could be us looking at a property for the first time, deciding what we're going to offer. But let's take it from the stage where we've actually kind of made an analysis that this is a good deal, and now we're doing our our first initial walkthrough knowing we're going to buy it or that it's under contract or that we have bought it and we're going to rehab it. So the first stage is our initial walkthrough. And here's what I want everyone, if you're, if you're listening, take a few notes. Uh, the initial walkthrough, I want you to make sure that you bring a digital camera. You're going to bring uh, some what we call our property repair estimate sheet form. And this is a uh, identified from outside in every area of the house with a plug and chug of what it costs for the improvement so that you can zip through that house and get, you know, pretty good estimate of what the rehab cost is going to drill down to. So if you don't if you don't have that, you need to create it or you need to use, you know, one that other investors use like myself. Uh, and so the initial walkthrough is where you are going to take all your notes of, well, do I want to rehab this kitchen? Do I want to change the layout in this bathroom? Um, I'm looking at the roof. I can't tell if the roof needs to be replaced or not. Well, here's a quick thing. If you can't tell if something needs to be improved or if it's broken or if it works or not, well, as an investor, you need to estimate that you that uh, put in the cost that it has to be replaced. And guess what? If in within a week or whatever, you go back with that professional and find out you get to keep it, well, then you get to keep that money in your budget. But when you're putting out your offers and you don't know if something needs to be fixed or not, you need to automatically assume that it does need to be fixed if you don't know for sure. Okay? So that initial walkthrough, because, and again, the whole idea is that we want to take as few visits to the property before we actually produce a check out of it. Um, because the concept is our time is best spent marketing for deals, getting deals under contract. Our liquidation strategies are implementing a wholesale or implementing a rehab. So although the rehab brings the money out, we don't want to tie up all our time and energy there. So abiding by this rehab process will help you. So that first initial walkthrough should be your first visit to the property once you know you're definitely going to rehab it. And again, really what you're doing is you're taking a million pictures. Uh, you should have a lockbox and spare keys with you. So drop the lockbox on the front door, put the keys in the lockbox, take all your pictures, take all your notes, all your estimates, and now you're going to go, you're going to leave the house and you're going to move into what we call the second stage. So you go back to your office or your home office, and the second stage is what we call the scope of work. So now the second stage is you sitting at your desk and deciding on exactly that rehab that, was, that is going to take place and what you want done before the work even starts. So the scope of work is you basically, my best analogy, and my brother uh, came up with this one, uh, which is really good, the scope of work is to a rehab what a, screen, what a uh, screenplay is to a movie. Before a movie's ever produced or shot, there's a screenplay communicating each line, each emotion, uh, what, what needs to be in each of the, the shots that they're filming. Well, the scope of work is describing exactly what you want done in that house from the maple cabinets to the uh, Formica countertop to the stainless steel look-alike fridge, dishwasher, microwave with item numbers, SKU numbers, and price, you're going to put all of this into your scope of work, okay? So once you do this, now you have this, your first draft of basically the work you want done at the house. Now, the first time you do this creation of a scope of work, it will seem kind of laborious and take a little bit of time, 
But again, if you have, uh, say, examples of scope of work that have been completed, you know, if you use my scope of works and you had the uh, TV shows that accompany it, accompany it as an example, you'll see it's very easy because really once you've done it once or have examples of it, it's really just cut and paste because you don't change all that much from rehab to rehab. You try different materials or this and that, but for the most part, you're going you're gonna to keep um, a similar, you know, the big broad strokes of a, of a rehab the same. So after... Now, that's stage two, scope of work, okay? After you've got the scope of work, now here's where I want you to take your second visit back to the property, and I want you to have 10 or 15 of these scope of works printed. Uh, with each scope of work, I want you to have what I call a, a standard quote itemization form. So that's stapled to the back of the scope of work where it's line by line. So a contractor, all they have to do is look at the scope of work and put in the number that it's going to be uh, that they're – going to charge you for that particular repair. So scope of work has the details of the kitchen. They go to the back page. It says kitchen. They put in five grand, whatever it is. Okay. So uh, this third stage, once you drop off copies, 10 to 15 copies of the scope of work with the quote itemization form, now this third stage is what we call contractor and job bidding. So this is where you make sure you do your marketing, you find the right guys, and you send them to the house to actually quote and, est and get an estimate of the bid so you can give them uh, reward, reward it to the contractor you want to work with. This is also where you'll communicate the budget you have for each particular job so that you stay within that budget, okay? So we talked a little bit about that, so I won't, go, I won't drill down much into there, but now you're going to get a bunch of at least, and here's my one rule of thumb, get at least three-plus quotes for each area of the job. So if you have an electrical quote, get three electricians to quote it. If you have a roof quote, get at least three roof quotes. Uh, carpentry, everything else, just make sure you have at least three quotes because here's what you'll find out. If you get three quotes within wherever you're working in your marketplace, you're going to kind of start to see what the market is charging, what the supply and demand of that work and that professional is, and, and know what you're going to probably have to pay. Okay, mm -hmm. So that's stage three. All right, now moving from there, fourth stage is once we've awarded the contractors that we've decided to work with the, the winning bid, now we're at stage four. And stage four is our contract signing stage. Okay? So the contract signing is now we've identified the contractors we want to work with, and now we're going to present our system and our written uh, and, and all of our written agreements, documents, and forms that they're going to follow so that we can have a successful outcome, have a relationship that's not yelling and screaming at each other and arguing, you should have done this, you should have done that. The paperwork is so important. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you wouldn't drive a car without a driver's license. Do not ever have any work done on your house or your investment property without this paperwork I'm about to describe to you. Okay? Mm -hmm. So stage four is the contract signing. Now, within the contract signing, let's talk about, and let me just, I'll just kind of run through this pretty quick, the six critical documents that we sign with each individual contractor. When I say individual contractor, I mean the plumber signs six documents, the electrician signs six documents, the carpenter signs six documents, the specific roof guy, if he's different, signs six documents, and here they are. The first uh document, which is actually probably the most important and sets all the rules and has all the terms and, and protects you and from liability, is your independent contractor agreement. Now, I've spent uh, in hard costs when we got started uh, over $10,000 for multiple different attorneys to look at, review, and then if you want to add in soft costs, meaning costs of using it before it was right, making mistakes, things that cost me money, I mean, the, the value of this one agreement is is way too much for me to kind of estimate. But this is where you and the contractor sign this agreement, and it sets the terms of the fact that they have to clean up after themselves, the fact that they have to be licensed and insured. It's in print. It's in black and white. The fact that they are the ones that pull the permit, not you. The fact that they are responsible for the uh, building department approving or not approving and asking them to do more work for the job, for the job that you've actually uh, asked them to do. Uh, all down to the li liability insurance requirements that you're asking them so you can get your proper certificate of insurance and all that good stuff. This is all spelled out in the independent contractor agreement. And if you notice in the title of that, 
It says independent contractor. This is also the document if you ever got audited and Uncle Sam wanted to say, well, it looks like this person could potentially be a W-2 employee and you've got upwards of 15% of the tax liability that you have not paid for. This is what would be your one document to protect against that. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I just can't stress it enough. So that's the first document of the six. The second one is our final scope of work. We talked about that already. Our third document is our payment schedule. Now, the payment schedule is what breaks out benchmarks and milestones of the job and correlates a particular amount of money to when that, when that benchmark or milestone gets completed, here's how much money I pay you. Because the worst thing you can do is say, okay, I'll pay you every week for four weeks. Well, what happens when you go to that house after one of the weeks and you realize that that contractor didn't, didn't do the amount of work that warrants your second week of payment? Well, what happens is you end up having a shouting match because you told him you pay him every week, and he doesn't care whether you think he did the work or not. He wants his money. So the payment schedule avoids that confrontation, that pitfall, and that problem. The fourth one is our insurance indemnification form. This is another standalone agreement which clearly states that they are responsible to not only have their insurance, but have it current and have a million dollars worth of liability, at least coverage for you and your house that they're working on. Uh, I just can't stress enough where, you know, if you don't have these documents, it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of will the worst case scenario ever happen to me. The worst case scenario will happen to all of us at some point in time. It's, it's okay, though, and it's controllable if you have these documents and these security instruments in place to protect how deep you get cut. That's the key. Uh, the fifth document in the six critical documents is our W-9. Now, you sign this once a year with every contractor so that at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, you can 1099 them uh, so that they're responsible for their share of taxes. Because here's, you know, it's really important you do that the first time you meet and when that relationship is on a positive note because you won't be friends with every contractor at the end of the year. That's just how it goes. And so if you call them up and ask for their Social Security number and address so you can send out a 1099 so they're required to pay taxes, that's when all of a sudden the phone gets fuzzy and they're like, I can't hear you, and they hung up. You never hear from them again. Okay? Now the final uh, of the six critical documents is your final and unconditional lien waiver. Um, in, in short, that is what protects, uh, secures, and identifies a document to relieve us from, from getting mechanic lien waivers. And for those of you that know or don't know what that is, that's when someone, a contractor, goes ahead and clouds the title on your property uh, with a statement that you owe them money for work that they performed and you haven't paid them. Well, you can't sell a property with, without clear title, so this is what protects against that. So. That's the six critical documents, and not to kind of race through those, but um, that is our stage, uh, our contract signing stage, stage four within the seven-stage process, and those are the six critical documents that are absolutely imperative. You get signed and dropped in your filing system for now and to forever, because uh, Vina, chime in here. There's liability when you buy and sell properties, and it's not, something may not ever come up right now, but a year from now, someone might, a fire might happen in that house. And if you don't have the independent contractor agreement, a copy of the permit, and the fact that you hired a licensed insured electrician, someone else could be coming down that chain of title to try to get liability from you. And so these are the things that protect you and give you peace of mind as you're creating that you know, multi-million dollar real estate investment career and business that you so, so you know, much want. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's the key. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and and Paul, I know I know we've got three more stages to get through here, but we are getting some questions uh, via email that I would also like to get to if uh, if that's all right. And um, got got sort of a a basic one here. This yeah. is from Anna in Cincinnati. She says, "What kind of flooring do you recommend for a rental? I know VCT all is right. good for a low end rental." But what about a step up from that? Carpet seems to get beat up too fast. Laminate? What about peel and stick? <laughs> sure. Great question. For rentals, I, I've used peel and stick. Peel and stick is a good, cheap, short-term solution. But uh, I like sheet laminate. Laminate sheets, meaning, you know, you roll it out, put it down. 
it's really hard to screw up laminate. And, uh, and for a rental, that's a very you know, good material for high traffic that uh, you can use and be good with. So definitely, that's my, that's my quick answer there. If there is hardwood in your rental, uh, I will make the statement out loud that you know, hardwood is very durable and lasts for a long time. I have a lot of people that will just carpet over it. I, I would prefer in my rentals to actually sand and refinish it because now I can use that flooring, and even maybe a year later when my tenant turns over, I do a light buff of it, and it's good to go, and it's very cheap, but it goes for the long haul. Okay. So just a little mental note on that as well. Hardwood floors with a gym finish. That's my favorite thing to do in, in low yeah, rentals. Right? And, and actually, um, if, if it's truly a, a sort of a low-end rental where you can expect relatively high turnover and so on, uh, we've even painted pine floors and then put a gym finish on them because you harden them up enough with the varnish and they'll, they, they last they last much better than carpet. Um, okay, one other uh, quick question that we're going to have to take a break. This one is from Chuck in that's our Chuck in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, he says uh, he says Paul, what kind? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, flipped over here. Uh, do you have? one contractor do the entire job or do you have multiple subcontractors and if you have multiple subcontractors how do you coordinate them so that the drywaller doesn't come in before the electrician yeah great question uh and the answer to that question and, and hence as we're going through the system as you can kind of hear as i'm describing it i don't you know you don't do 400 plus rehabs and just put all your eggs in one basket, meaning give, give money to one guy and think he's going to coordinate and do the whole job. It's just on a law of averages, you're going to have a lot, you're going to have headaches and problems with that, uh, with that approach. Uh, for retail buyers, that's normal. That's what ends up happening. But for us to control our success and make sure jobs get done on a timeline and a budget that is necessary for us to make money, we're going to actually identify and find all of the contractors that we want to use, electrician, plumber, HVAC, carpenter, and any other you know, specific contractors that we're hiring. And then I will directly contract with them all individually, and I will directly pay them all individually. But, I'll, but to answer your question, how do we make sure that these guys work together and that they don't you know, step over each other's feet and drywall without the electrical going in, what I will, what I do do is I have a pre-construction meeting with my contracting team, and I introduce everybody to each other, and I say, "Hey, Mr. Electrician, meet the carpenter. Carpenter, meet the HVAC guy, vice versa." And I pass a handout out that has their phone numbers, uh, and you know their phone numbers and license number, and I say, "Now here's how this works: the carpenter is our quarterback. He will dictate the flow of this job because obviously he's got to do the demo." and frame it in before the plumber, HVAC, and all the other guys can rough in. Uh, and then you need to get inspections, and then the carpenter will insulate and sheetrock. So uh, what I do is I empower that carpenter to be what I call a lead carpenter, so to speak. Uh, and you could call him a GC, that whatever, if you want to use that terminology, but he doesn't get paid anything more. Um, but I do empower him to tell me, and be kind of the quarterback of that team because here's the thing, and I say it up front to all these guys, the better you work together, the sooner you get this job done, the sooner you get paid, and we get you to another job to get more money. And that's, in a, in a quick answer, uh, how we solve that. Obviously, that coupled with the seven-stage rehab process and our six critical documents is then what allows us to control this process and not fret about, you know, major problems happening at every turn. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Make, sounds great. And uh, I think we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the renovation process with Paul Asajan, who has probably done more of these in one month than most of us have done in entire years of our lives. We'll also take your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or on the internet at askvina.com. Support comes from the Taft Museum of Art. Now on view, American Elegance, chintz applique quilt 1780 to 1850. Colorful and intricate quilted artworks made in America. These distinctive works made by inventive women who cut flowers, birds, and animals from beautiful fabric to craft these quilts offer a glimpse into the quilt makers' lives and society. More information at taftmuseum.org. 
Take a look on traffic right now. We have a disabled vehicle on the left side of southbound 75 at Shepherd. Glenway is now shut down between Rapid Run and Overlook uh, because of an accident. Hans Pike at Wayman Branch, an accident. Eastbound 275 east of the AA Highway in northern Kentucky. The right two lanes are blocked with an accident. Liberty at Redding and southbound 75 at the Norwood Lateral, an accident. Backups include East 275 off and on at Mosteller, northbound 71 at Dana, south 71 at Pfeiffer, and then Taft to the Lytle. North 75 slows around Harrison and again at Shepherd, south 75 between Shepherd and Paddock at the Mitchell Merge and again at the Brent Spence Bridge. Eastbound 275 between Kentucky 16 and 471, and southbound 471 slows between Southgate and 275. Fourth, uh, your weather forecast tonight, clear skies. And uh, warmer than last night, uh, no frost expected tonight, a low around 45 degrees. Tomorrow, sunshine and a high of 75. Friday, sunny, a high of 78. Could see 80 degrees Saturday and Sunday. No rain in the forecast through next Wednesday. Right now, we're at 71 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Pain, stiffness, or swelling in a joint, bone, or muscle may be a sign of arthritis, and there are more than 100 types, including osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. Early and correct diagnosis can help treatment. More information about a diagnosis, protecting your joints, and a treatment plan is available at Ohio Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine at 513-985-3700. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Paula Sajan. If the name sounds familiar, it's because you've seen him on Flip This House but even when the cameras aren't following him around, he is renovating house after house after house. And I know that you guys consider renovation one of the top two biggest hassles in real estate, probably running neck and neck with landlording. So if you have questions about how to do this right and profitably, give us a call at 772-9658 or 877 877- Seven seven two nine six five eight. You can also send us an email by going to askvina.com. Okay, so Paul, uh, we went through the first four stages of what it takes to do a successful, meaning profitable, and as low hassle as possible rehab job. That's right. We got three more to go. What are they? All right. So we can. So I spent a lot of time, and and what you'll notice the first four stages. We haven't even talked about actually physically touching the house, uh, pulling that first shingle off. So we do all of this work, and it is work, uh, to set up our rehab on a successful, what I like to call foundation, on a successful platform that will put us in a position to succeed, put our contractors in a position to succeed. And as you grow your business, and this is very important because I always like to take uh, my investors and take them 10 feet in front of themselves. This is even more important as you hire someone to manage the rehabs within your business so that you can make more money, spend less time, and, and work on other areas of your personal life, business life, or, or anything else that's important. So the fifth stage now is finally the rehab process. So we do all this work. We find the right guys. We are very detailed on exactly what we want going into that house, down to the item number, SKU number, maple cabinets, you know, uh, having the 1099s from each contractor, all of these details. Now stage five is the actual rehab itself. So the rehab commences, and without, I won't break down, there's a whole nother series of stages uh, and checklists for the rehab process. I won't go through that right now, but just know that that, quite honestly, and this might sound funny for those of you listening, that's the easy part. The rehab itself is absolutely the easy part. It's the fun part. It's the part where, you know, you, instead of you feeling like you should be at the house when the rehab's going on, it should be more, uh, I guess I'll go today just because I'm curious and for fun, I want to see the progress that's been made by my professional, mature, licensed and insured, grown-up contracting team that I've identified with and put them within my my structured rehab system. So the rehab the rehab process, all it is is managing a series of checklists, timeline, and budget. So stage five is the rehab process. You get done with the house. So now we're done with the house. We go to stage six. 
Stage six is actually what, what I call contract closeout. That's getting our final permits, our final mechanic lien waiver, uh, 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 lien waiver signed and everything so that your file's complete so that, again, it's important for you to do this, but it's even more important for the next person you're going to hire that's going to manage this process so you don't stay awake at night wondering when you're doing 25 rehabs at a time thinking, gosh, did my, uh, did my employee get the mechanic lien waiver signed? Did they get a copy of the final uh, permit or CO? And is it in the file? Well, this is part of the checklist in the system, so you can just look it up, see that it's done, go back to sleep. And then finally, the seventh, the seventh stage is what I like to call fi finishing touches or final touches. Before you actually list and sell that house or market and sell that house, I want you to pull up to that property, not as the investor or the owner of the house, but I want you to put on if I were the buyer hat. And from the time you pull up, is it landscaped beautifully? Is the curb appeal spot on? When you open the front door, does it stick? Is it clean? When you're walking into the kitchen, is it, is it sparkling? Is it staged properly? Does everything work? The faucet, the fridge, the, the, the clock on the uh, microwave, overhead microwave. Uh, so I want you to walk through the house before you actually market it for sale and make sure that thing is perfect. Why? Because here's my goal, and it's not a goal, it's not wishful thinking. 50% of all of our rehabs get sold in the first two weeks of us listing it on the MLS or doing our full-blown marketing. So this means if you price that house properly, meaning based on the current comps and what's selling in that area and the current time period you're in, and you've rehabbed it properly and staged it properly, you will get your full price offer, multiple full price offers that you'll identify and pick the strongest one to take to a 30 to 45 day escrow and close. And that's it. And now you just rinse, repeat, and do this over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, you know, what I've described, I've been throwing all these things out here, but really what we're doing is we're doing work up front so that we can have a multi-million dollar real estate business that can grow with us even as we grow. So from year one, two, three, four, five, to where what it should look like for you rehabbing is exactly what I'm doing right now, sitting at my desk and, and writing checks, getting checks, following the system, and that's it. Wonderful. There it is. We're done. Everyone can rehab successfully now, right? Yeah, we're, we're all set. <laughs> we have a, a couple of questions, though. We've got one here from James in Atlanta. He says, our market here is very, very slow, even for completely rehabbed properties. Do you have any suggestions about staging them to make them more attractive to potential buyers? Great question. Um, now, here's the, and here's the thing. Uh, any property that doesn't sell, here's like our checklist. Obviously, we want to, you know, we want to look at the pricing. Okay, so number one, look at the pricing, because I guarantee you anything priced aggressively is going to get more interest than, than not. So pricing, make sure you got the right price. Now, from that stage, when I have, when I have inventory that sits and I want to get it a little more active and make sure it moves, I'll do a few things. And this, in this market, meaning this last year and a half, we do a full staging of all of our properties. So what does that mean? I mean, have that master bedroom stage with a, be with a bed, a comforter, uh, some furniture. Have the living room stage with a couch, end tables, plants. You want, your, you want to make your rehab sing when people walk in, okay? So full staging is mandatory. Now, uh, so make sure that th of that point. Now, what I'll also do is I'll increase a half a percent or a percent to the buying broker's commission, so that when other realtors are looking to show their houses to people, they say, oh, well, I could make 2.5% if I sell this house over here, or I can make 3.5% if I show this finished rehab, easy to walk through, on a lockbox, can show any time. So it's just about getting more people in the door. So that's one of the things I'll do as well. Um, and then what, you know, what I didn't touch on is we always do what we call sizzle features. And that's, yes, I said sizzle. That also means selling features. You need to do five things in every house in your rehab that are not needed but emotionally hook those people in. So having a jacuzzi bathtub, having body sprays in the shower, uh, putting in a 50-inch flat screen that only costs you now, what, seven to 800 bucks, and leaving it with the house. So when they buy it, they have this, this built-in flat screen with speakers in the ceiling. It costs you maybe 1500 bucks to put all this in. But these are, the, these are the reasons, the emotional hooks that people actually say, I'll go with this house versus the other one in the same neighborhood, similar condition. 
So um, that's just a few things just to rattle them off and, and make sure your property moves. Wonderful. Um, and uh, Mike, how much time we got left? About two, about three, three minutes. Okay, so we have time to answer uh, just a couple of more questions here. Uh, this is one from Jim, and he doesn't say what city he's in, but he's in Nevada. He says, just one question, Paul, regular shingles or dimensional? And I, I think we better explain what that means yeah. <laughs> to the people who yeah. maybe aren't rehabbers. Yep. So the in most cases, and I'm assuming, Jim, we're not talking about a tile roof, so we're talking about uh, as, um, asphalt comp shingles, and there's two... There's two primary styles out there that you'll see when you're driving by houses. There's what we call three-tab, which is the square-looking, very flat um, shingle when you're looking at it from the street. And there's an architectural shingle. And the architectural has a little bit more what we like to call dimension and, and some play in it. And it overlays a little bit differently and can hide maybe some uh, you know imperfections within the roof or the levelness of the house. So my answer to that is architectural asphalt, 30-year comp shingles all day long. Excellent. All right. Not beat that. Well, thank you very much, Paul. And uh, we're, we're about out of time here, but I want to remind folks that they can see you do an entire, like, hour and a half organized presentation with slides and the whole nine yards. Talk to you in the bookstore. Get to meet you when they come to the Ohio RIA convention on November the 12th through 14th, and they can do that by going to wmkvfm.org, signing up through the station, and thus making a contribution to public radio as well as their own educations. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. This is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Local 12 News at 6 is next after this. It's already coming up. The next WMKV Big Band Dance is this Sunday, 